Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. This passage is packed full of practical advice. Earlier this week, I introed to the book of 1 Peter, so you can go back and listen to that podcast on Tuesday if you want some background about what this epistle is all about. But I want to just launch into our reading today because some of this is pretty self-explanatory and a lot of it provides really good foundational advice about how to live your life as a Christian. So once again, just practical stuff today for living our life out in a fallen world. So let's pick up, this is verse 13, and we'll go all the way to verse 25. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be from the emperor as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So as we go back, there's some things he says here that are very difficult to hear. He says, be subject to the, to the Lord, um, be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. And this idea of having respect for authority is a Christian concept. Um, I see many Christians today that are very disrespectful to people in authority, uh, whether it be in some type of protest or in anger, and that's really just not the way of Christ. It's okay to take a stand. And there's always the case that if someone asks you in a governing position to do something contrary to the will of God, you are to disobey that order. But we are to be respectful to those that are in authority. Anarchy is not a Christian concept. Now, when it gets really interesting is when we realize that he's talking about the emperor. Now, remember, these are people in Asia Minor. And emperor worship would be very common around them. And emperors a lot of times were people that lacked character. Uh, They definitely were not Christians. And sometimes they did some things that were just a little bit suspect. But he's saying, as far as the emperor is concerned, you need to show honor to the emperor. Now, that doesn't mean to worship the emperor. That doesn't mean to condone the bad things the emperor did. We, We know for a fact that Christians stood up to the emperor at times. Uh, They did not go for Caesar's wars of aggression. 
And when Caesar was, would go and just attack other nations of people just to conquer them, the Christians were opposed to that. But they did show respect to those in governing authorities. Now, what's interesting is when you get down to this idea of the governor sent by the emperor. So not only do you honor the emperor, but you also honor the civil magistrates that are over your location. And here's something interesting. When you're thinking about Christian thought and government, and I've heard people say before, well, Christianity doesn't have a lot to say about government and formation of government, and I would beg to differ. I think if you look at Scripture, especially look at the Old Testament, you kind of get God's heart for what he thinks would be a just and a good society. You can look at the civil government of Israel. Now, we're not called to make a theocracy like Israel, but you can look at what God said in the Old Testament and see what he believes is just and good laws because you see the civil laws of Israel. So there are certain things that God would want to have in a society to make it a good society. And we know that in verse 14, he says the purpose of government is to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And that's a good metric for government. You know, is the government punishing those that do evil, and is the government celebrating those people who do good? I do think at times that gets inverted. Sometimes governments fail to do that. They fail to celebrate what is actually good, and they celebrate things that are probably evil. But that's a good uh, indication for what God wants for government. So God's will is for us to be people that live obedient lives, uh, that are respectful to those in authority, this is his will. He says it specifically. So why would Peter say this? Well, for one thing, when people slander Christians and say horrible things about them, they'll see that actually Christians are the best citizens. I, I believe this. I think Christians are the best citizens of any nation. And that's what you see in the early church. They were the best citizens. Now, they would not worship the emperor. They would not do pagan things but they lived good lives, and they were good neighbors. I think we're called to do the same thing. We should be the best citizens of our country as Christians. And that way, that way when people want to slander Christians, their mouths are closed because of our good works, because of who we are. I love verse 17. That's almost a verse you could, you could memorize. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. That sounds a lot like Romans chapter 10, doesn't it? This idea of loving people in the household of faith. Fear God and honor the emperor. It's a good way to live your life. In other words, he's saying, you know, love your fellow Christians dearly. Honor everyone you come in contact with as people made in the image of God. How you interact with people at all times. Show honor and respect to all people. And then actually show respect to those in governing authorities. Then he gets into some things that are very touchy in, in this day and time. He talks about servants or slaves and their masters, and slavery in the Roman Empire was was something that was very common. And some would say, well, here, this passage could be used to promote slavery and say that Peter was actually okay with it. What Peter is saying here is, if you're a Christian, you know, you've been converted to Christ and you're a slave, he's talking about how you should behave in that situation. He's not condoning the institution of slavery. We can look at other places like when Paul talks to Philemon, that if Philemon were to carry out what Paul is saying uh, in with his interaction with Onesimus, pretty much slavery would be abolished. So you've got this concept of the trajectory of the New Testament and the transformation of the gospel in society 
that eventually slavery should be done away with because of Christian principles. And also, this slavery back in the ancient world was not race-based slavery like you saw in the United States. This is very different. There are some similarities in treatment of the people, but it's not race-based like what you saw in the United States. So he tells these people that, look, when you're working for someone and the man over you or woman over you, they're, they're not good people, still work hard. That could also apply to us in our jobs. I think Peter would tell us that. I think Paul would tell us that when you're working in your job. Be the best employee you can be. Don't be a troublemaker. Do what you're asked to do as long as it doesn't violate Scripture and work very hard, even if you have a boss that doesn't appreciate you. Work hard to show them that you are different in Jesus Christ, that your identity doesn't come from their approval. It comes from something much deeper. And that's what he gets to here at the end. He talks about this example we have in Christ, that Christ came and he died for us. He was reviled, but he he didn't revile back. He didn't return in kind. And we should not either. So when we're reviled and people say horrible things about us, we're called not to do that back in kind. We are different. Why do we have the power to do that? Well, in verse 24, he tells us the power comes from the death of Jesus on the cross. He took on our sin on the cross. You might have heard the, the complex concept of substitutionary atonement that Jesus is our substitute. This is one place where it's pretty clear in the Bible that's what Peter's talking about. He bore our sins in his body, Jesus did. He died so we can live by his wounds, we are healed. And he said, look, we were like sheep wandering about, but now we have the great shepherd Jesus and the overseer of our soul. So we can live different because Christ died for us. We're liberated, we're free. And we're called to use that freedom to love one another in the household of faith, to work hard in our jobs, to not be people that are troublemakers or anarchists. It's not what we're called to do. But if the government does tell us to do something that's contrary to God's will, then we have the responsibility to say, no, we're not going to do that. But we will be the best citizens you have in this country. That's what we're called to be. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. I hope First Peter's helped you. It has helped me so much going back and studying this information, these, these teachings. Our sermon Sunday will come from the book of First uh, Peter. It actually will come from this chapter that we just went over. And I've learned so much and been challenged in my own heart. And I hope you've been challenged too. Well, I'd love to see you back on Monday. We'll jump right back into the Psalter again as we continue our study of the book of Psalms on Monday. God bless.